From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue and in Franchise, Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where game, show where nice game talk, ugh. the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, and I'm not going to edit any of that. <laughs> For this week's episode, our topics are power-ups and franchises. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. <laughs> Did I just at the right time? This, are you editing this episode? I hope so. Uh, <laughs> you know what? If I'm editing it, I'm not going to do it either, because then I don't have to do any more work. So It's true. <laughs> I will forget that I have to edit it. Okay. And then I'll want to rush through it. Cool. So I won't do it. See, we're we're not infallible. Sometimes we make mistakes too, listeners. Often. Yeah. I, Often. Almost, I almost tripped over and like, I, I tripped on, when I stood up in this chair and nearly tipped the whole table over. Oh my. You guys didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. I missed I, I I miss that because I don't remember having a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These are, we all have our expensive laptops on this table. And all the audio equipment and the yeah. mics. Yeah, and- none of that's fun. Um, <laughs> so I'll just not. I'll just sit here now. Yeah. Speaking well, it's funny you say that. We're, we're we've recorded in the new clubhouse for a couple of sessions now, three or four. Mm-hmm. I actually yeah. don't remember. <laughs> at least three. Yeah. Um. I, are we used to the new space yet? I think. Does so. Does it not feel new anymore? It's well, starting to feel a little bit like switching seats. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's true. Another problem. But each seat is the same chair. <laughs> well, yes, but the position is different, and that affects the 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 vibe. So, Is Ellen, it? are you used to the space? <laughs> I think I'm just really tired today. Yeah. And we'll get to that. Ah. Um, I mean, I think I've been saying that every single episode we've recorded for like the last month and a half. And it's still true every time. It's yeah. just been a really busy fall for that's, lots of different that's reasons. part of adult life is being tired all the time. You've been in this long, this, this like long period of moving. Right. Well, at first there was a long period of working really hard. Yes. And then when that started to wind down, then we, yeah, we sold our house and bought a new house and now we're moving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you're not, you didn't do it all in one weekend. You, it's like you stretched it out. It's, yeah, we're stretching it out, which is good because, I mean, it's good and bad, right? If you had just kind of crammed it into one weekend, then you just down a lot of caffeine and power through. Yeah, an extremely stressful weekend. Right? But I, I did that and right. I still have a lot of work to do. So. Oh, right. <laughs> um, it's just a lot. It's just a lot of stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, moving's hard. Yeah, moving's hard and it's dark now and there isn't one good thing Mm -hmm. in that well there's a couple good things one it was just halloween yes Mm -hmm. so from when we're recording halloween was yesterday right so what's the good thing all the candy (laughs) okay yeah that's true come on mark i know you don't like halloween but like there is candy (laughs) yeah and and like cool costumes that you sometimes see people wearing. Like Dale has a cool costume. That's yeah. true. Dale does have a very cool we costume. See if we can get a picture of that. Yeah, let's not say what it is. Yep. Let's just put a picture in the show notes. Yes, it's a very cool costume, and I think listeners will really like it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite costume that I saw in the neighborhood trick or treaters yesterday was a tiny Batman. <laughs> um, I'm Batman. <laughs> he didn't say that. He just said, Aww. "I really like your dog," and then he Aww. got to pet my dog and. Aww. Okay, that's cute. He was like a four-year-old Batman. It's adorable. <laughs> My nephew's dressed up as a long-necked dinosaur. Oh. Um, there was a specific scientific name attached to this long-necked dinosaur, mm-hmm. but I honestly can't pronounce it. My five-year-old nephew can. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I um, and then uh, my other nephew, who's six, he was a colossal squid. Wow. Yeah. And these are like inflatable costumes. So yeah. when he's running, like all the, the squid <laughs> arms are like <laughs> flailing around. That's it was pretty great. That's pretty good. That's wonderful. I'm seeing a lot of um, dogs on Twitter dressed up. And the, if you shoot a, a video of a dog in a certain way when they have these costumes on, they just look like tiny 
st- uh, standing upright bears or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I think people probably know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. and they're very cute. <laughs> did, you, did you ever see that? Um, it was like a social media artist, right? It was a media multimedia artist out mm-hmm. of I can't remember some Scandinavian country. I can't remember, um, but he created like an amazing spider costume for his dog mm-hmm. and then staged a bunch of like oh, hilarious I did see this. Yeah. attacks <laughs> from the spider and it was actually <laughs> the spider costume was really scary. Oh, wow. My only, my first thought after seeing that video because it's really, really clever and funny yeah. is that I really hope that person tracked down all the people he scared and gave them 50 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, because that's kind of a mean thing to do to somebody. Well, and potentially dangerous for the dog because if I saw a spider the size of, you know, like, a dog coming yeah. at me and I knew it was a spider, I would be very freaked out. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'll get you. Yeah. But I, from what I understand from just reading about this whole thing on the internet and, you know, it's the internet, so what do you know? Mm-hmm. Um, they were paid actors. Oh, okay. And, and, oh. No, and knowing that's the case, if that's the case, it still doesn't make it any less awesome. <laughs> it's really great. I think the best part about that costume is that the, it's a little dog that moves like a little dog does. Yeah. You know, and when, when they have a call, it's like, blah, 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 like the little jingle of their, their collar. Like mm-hmm. something about little dogs running is just very cute. Yeah. yeah. And it's exactly that motion that made the spider creepy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's totally true. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else is going on? So much is going on. It, this is the fall season of new science fiction. Ooh. I'm really just pretty excited because there's a new Star Trek series that just started. Yeah. It's a kid's show, Star Trek Prodigy. And I had kind of low expectations for it because it's a kid's show. And I was mm-hmm. like, it's not going to be targeted at me. It's going to be for kids and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And I'll just be happy it exists. But I re- we watched the pilot um, last week yeah. uh, and it was really good. I liked it. Yay. Like, yeah, I liked I, it, it. Was, it's still a kid's show in, mm-hmm. in, that, in that vein. It has a couple of the tropes from like of, of uh, animation targeted at those things. But I think it was a... It's a it's a neat little expansion of the Star Trek universe, and yeah. I've been really excited about all these Star Trek shows lately. I'm, so I'm more looking forward to the second episode because the first episode kind of just introduces the characters. Mm-hmm. It was real lots of setup. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Now okay. the now the premise is going to get going. Yeah. I don't actually know what the series is like. Like, is it going to be really serialized? Because because mm. that first episode was all setup, so right. we don't know what the status quo is. Yep. You know, you're, it's you're on a cliffhanger almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that's interesting. I've had a mixed mixed experiences with series that were you know, targeted towards kids. Yeah. And like for Star Wars, um, I loved Rebels and then Clone Wars. I loved the Clone Wars and mm-hmm. I tried to pick up Resistance and Resistance was targeted towards a younger age demographic and I just ah. totally couldn't, totally yeah. couldn't do it. Sure. But I'm excited if there's a Star Star Trek. Yeah. I mean, like, Star Trek's good. It's, it, I think the thing that really makes it a kid show and in, in, this is the worst I could say about it is that the humor is like not great. <laughs> It's very, it's very simple. It's mm-hmm. like, it's a little bit too broad and it's not very sophisticated, but it's very much by design that way. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing bad or like broken about it. It's just like, you're not really going to, it's, it's a funny, like all kids shows have humor in them. Yeah. And, but it's not very funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it's, it, it is what it wants to be. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I like, you know, as a total Star Trek nerd, like every little Easter egg I'm, I, I get excited about. So like that will keep me engaged, I guess. Mm-hmm. I do hope that kids like it. Yeah. You know. But yeah. then uh Star Trek Discovery is coming back for its fourth season pretty soon. There's gonna be another new Star Trek series early next year. Star Trek Picard is coming back for its second season. Oh, it's like this is like the time to be into Star Trek. There's never been more more new Star Trek since like nineteen ninety nine. So like, if you aren't into Star Trek and all the previous mentions about Star Trek <laughs> on this show didn't what are you get waiting you into Star for? Trek, now's the time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. There's gonna be a new Ghostbusters movie. 
which has been it should have come out like last year it got delayed and delayed and delayed oh. but the um um uh it, it's gonna come out when um i think the same day that star trek discovery's season four premieres and on that same day star trek prodigy will also have a new episode so you have to take that day off I kind of do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, I, I, I tweeted about this. Like, if you had told me 10 years ago or 20 years ago mm-hmm. that there would be a day where a, two new Star Treks and a new Ghostbusters would come out in the same weekend, I just would not have believed you. Mm. Like, yeah. it's kind of, you know. Yeah. It's, I, I, you know, it is. It's, I think when you get old enough, all the nostalgia is targeted at you, I think. Yes, because you've so got the money now. It's going to happen to all of us, I guess. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. I don't know, but it's 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 fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. but like all the new fun stuff. Like I'm paying a lot more attention to like media that's coming out now because I'm not going to be out as outside as much. It's getting cold. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. what's gonna you know? Yeah. But you know, it's it's still it's still pandemic season. Like yeah. I'm yeah. not. I'm you know I I haven't gone to restaurants indoors um, other than a brief two week period in May when we thought things were going to get better. And (laughs) a lot of people have started to do that. And that's the judgment they've made because of the risk assessment. And, you know, we'll see where we are in a couple of months. But I'm like, well, I guess I'm just going to go back and be a hermit this winter again. And I wasn't really prepared for that. Well, are you going to are you going to be a hermit with your friends? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's. I mean, we're here in person together, and that my my my, my bubble has gotten bigger, mm-hmm. so that's definitely a thing. And we're here at the office, and you know, it's gonna it's gonna be better. Yes. But I'm. I was kind of. I don't know. I was expecting to go to museums or something. Sure. You know, like to do other things. Yeah, to do something uh, indoors, not in your. Uh, yeah, place. I get that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, on other news, I beat Deathloop. Yeah. Yeah. And you weren't that happy about it. No, I was oh. not. You're not going to spoil it on the air, but no, you did tell no. me a little bit about yeah, what disappointed you. Yeah. Um, I think uh, in a previous episode, I was talking about how how much uh, fun I was having playing Deathloop. But after a while, I like fell off of it. Yeah. I don't know why. I think it was just, I don't know, I stopped playing games as much. But like I felt obligated to beat it. And also, you know, eventually I need to get to this new Metroid. So I was like, I got to beat this <laughs> game. I'm going to beat this game. I beat them. So I went ahead and I beat the game. But it, the ending was disappointing for me. And for I and I've heard for some people too, hmm. yeah. um, for a bunch of reasons that I will not disclose. Yeah. But. Well, I posited a theory that you dismissed, which is that this happens in a lot of games where no. the endings feel rushed and incomplete, partly because that's crunch time. Yeah. And, and that seems a little bit simplistic, but it actually is often true mm-hmm. that the end of the game is the last thing that gets worked on, yes. or at least part of the last period and then a lot of times it gets pared down and pared down yeah. because they have to fix parts in the beginning of the game and they have to spend more of time near the end except for doing more than what they were planning and mm-hmm. so that does happen a lot with games yeah but it, it, it felt intentional yeah you I didn't see the signs of that here no I did not know mm-hmm. yes I don't know no. Ooh, that would be a good topic we should do someday yeah the signs of crunch oh, oh that's interesting that's there was a really good article about um uh, Mass Effect 3. Uh, no, it's a YouTube video of, of interviews with the, a lot of the developers of Mass Effect 3 mm-hmm. talking about the crunch period at the end of that game's mm-hmm, development mm-hmm. and then the the re, uh, public reaction to the ending, which was very sour. Yeah. And then the immediate, maybe four weeks later, commitment to make an extended version of the ending and then back to crunch right. to do that, yeah. which only came out, you know, maybe two months after that. Yeah. Um, and just a lot of people reflecting on on whether it was a good idea. And they're split. Some of the developers at the time are like, yep, I'm glad we we went back and did that. Other people are like, you know what? It was done. We shouldn't have given into this fan demand. 
other people are mixed like oh the, the this is this was the set of standard which we don't like but i'm glad we did it yeah like mm-hmm. it's really interesting to hear firsthand from some of these people i'll, I'll find that link and we'll put it in the show notes yeah that'll be good yeah because i mean we've all done it we've all worked too hard and you sort of don't regret it all the time you know like you know intellectually that was a bad choice but sometimes you kind of see the silver linings yeah whenever i've done crunch well like I've done a game jam, which is like a day of crunch, yeah. um, which isn't that extreme. But like when I do it, then it's fine. But if yeah. I ever do it for any of the projects I'm working, like I'm actively working on it for a long period of time, I almost always regret it. Yeah, it's just me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean you do always regret it, but like, oh. but that, but then you forget about it and you do it again. Yeah, or yeah. or or you think like, well, what what else? What I was gonna do, you know? Like yeah. it wouldn't have gotten done, and yeah. it got done, and I'm happy with you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. So that's part of the reason why it's hard to change this culturally, yeah. you know. So, yep. You can, mix, you can have mixed emotions about something. Yeah. Yep. That's allowed. Absolutely. Absolutely true. Speaking of mixed emotions, uh, we all saw Dune. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I saw this on the bullet point, although it got a good transition well, I for for, it. I totally, I mean, we were listing a bunch of stuff that we uh, wanted to talk about meta because it's kind of, kind of been a while since we checked in with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things like we completely forgot to put down here was the fact that we all went and saw Dune together. Yeah. yeah. And that was a, a you, your husband rented a theater. Yeah. And so it's the first time I've been to a theater in eight well probably longer than 18 months because i wasn't seeing a lot of movies at the end of 2020 <laughs> right, right. um and so it was a very weird experience yeah it was so it never occurred to me ever to do this but um you know my husband just was like i want to see doom but i don't want to go to the theater what if what if it's just people i know and then he researched it and he's like oh no you could just rent out a theater yeah it's pretty common now actually yeah it's yeah. a common thing right now and so he just rented the theater and then we just let everybody know, hey, we went mm-hmm. to this theater. Please come so that we don't have to spend hundreds of dollars <laughs> just to sit in there with the two of us. Yeah. Although that would have been cool too. But yeah, we filled up, we filled up like, I don't know, half the seats somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I got to meet Steve's parents. Oh, yeah. My parents were there. That was pretty cool. Yeah. My parents are cool. Yes. As of what other people say. Obviously, I don't think my Everyone parents was are happy cool. to, to see or meet your parents, and yeah. they were happy to see all of us. And yeah. you were just like, okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you invited funny. them. I don't know what you were expecting. I regressed back to like high school. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. So did you like Dune? I feel like I can't be honest. <laughs> I feel like if I, if because I, this is Nice Games Club. <laughs> I, if I say that I like it, then I feel like you're going to laugh at me. <laughs> uh, no, it's, if you liked it, it's cool. I Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was entertaining. Mm-hmm. I, I liked Oh, yeah. I thought it was... Uh, it had been a really long, it's been a really long time since I read the book, mm-hmm. and I haven't read all of the books. Yeah. Um, and after we saw the movie, I did get on fandom.com and read summaries of all the books that come in yeah. after that. Oh, boy. Yeah. It gets weird. <laughs> it gets wild. It's so weird. It just, like, everything. I, I'm not into Warhammer 40K, mm-hmm. but I have friends who are very into Warhammer 40K. And when I have friends who are into a thing... I also go to fandom.com and learn as much as I can about the thing. Yeah. Because then I can get excited about the thing that they're excited about. Oh, sure. And there are some things that like conceptually are like, well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the battle nuns. They're cool. Um, okay. In like a Warhammer 40K sense. Anyway, sure. yeah. being, there's a ton of stuff like in the in the lore of Dune that really reminded me of Warhammer. And that was really interesting. So there's more I want to huh. dig into about that. Like there might be some, some idea like... Okay. Genealogy. Type, to, I type to in track track future, future topic Dune. <laughs> I'm not qualified to talk on either one of these okay, at length. Scratching out the top. No, but I can find people who are. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I thought, you know, it was 
it was like a really good world building movie, I thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was pretty cool. And what was nice is like with science fiction, the world building stage of a science fiction story is always fun. Always yeah. fun. Yeah. And then when the story has to get personal, some stories make that pivot work and other stories don't. And I don't know if Dune ever actually needs to make that pivot in the first book. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was it was a beautiful movie. Yeah. And the worms were cool and the music was awesome. And yes. Oh, gosh. The music is my favorite part of that whole, yeah? the yeah. whole experience. It, was, it didn't hit me that hard. I, yeah. I didn't have a lot of opinion on it. Oh, okay. It was okay. I didn't. I, I don't know. Um, I think it was just, it felt very alien. Yeah. yeah. But like, yeah. but like still like. I mean, maybe it did its job. It was very yeah. suitable. Like, it yeah, really yeah. fit the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. that's the thing is I went back and listened to the soundtrack afterwards. I was like, this isn't as good as I remember it being. <laughs> and I think it's just because, like, I... Half there, the picture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas, like, others, like, other soundtracks, movie soundtracks I've listened to, like, I, I still like them as much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this one did not evoke that. And I think part of the reason why it didn't evoke as much feeling when I listened to it back is because, like, I thought that Dune was okay. It mm-hmm. was fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I enjoyed watching it most for the most part, it was kind of slow. Yeah. Me. But, um, and I, I don't, I have never seen any other Dune media, mm-hmm. so I don't know much about the, 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 the whole lore and stuff. Yeah. Beforehand. It's a pretty but, faithful adaptation, I would say. Okay. Yeah. That's so I, I mean, cards on the table, I hate that book. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like David Lynch and really? I thought David Lynch did as good a job as he could have adapting it into a movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought, uh, Denis Villeneuve did the same as good as he could have done. Yeah. It, with that book. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> I I I I don't know if I've talked about it on the show before. But I love Arrival. It's one of my very favorite Such movies. Good, oh, so and good. I love and he brought a lot of that sensibility to do in that idea of like you don't have to linger on something for too long. You can have a lot of evocative imagery without explaining all of it. Mm-hmm. And the problem with Dune is Dune is the opposite of that. Yeah. Dune is the here's a proper noun and here's 15 pages of of what it's all about. And a lot of the script of this movie did fall prey to that. Like, here's this weird compass. Let me tell you about it. Like, here are the 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 uh, the still suits. Let me explain it to you. Yeah. And that's the that's Don't the structure that. of that story. Is like, here's a new idea. Here's some exposition. Then we do something with that thing. And then we introduce a new thing and some exposition. And it's it's it seems very. I don't know. I don't like that about the story. And mm-hmm. I think. Th- the being so faithful as in an adaptation, I think, hurt it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Whereas that director's sensibility is really appropriate for this this story mm-hmm. but i think he was too faithful but that's just because i don't like the book like yeah. I, I, I just i think the, it needs some changes but i if you wanted to do that story it, like it, it's the best adaptation you could have hoped for if you're a fan of the, of mm-hmm. the book so yeah. I, I didn't really love it but i also feel like what else could it have been sure. you know yeah big worms are cool yeah big worms are cool that's that true. is true i mean the the design is really really good yeah, like visuals were good yeah Mm-hmm. Is it? Do you think it'll be true ten thousand years in the future that if you live on a desert planet, you have to be in drapey linens? <laughs> uh, yep, that's mandatory. Yeah, I feel like every every space opera or science fiction show that has a desert planet, you're in drapey linens. Well, ultimately, they're all like based off of Earth. Yeah, so that's just well. There's it's it's a, a drapey space linen. I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna a voyage outside of your bit right now because I think there's a reason for that kind of imagery. Mm-hmm. Which is this notion of like um, this sort of medievalist kind of idea? Yeah. Like this, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's evoking f- other familiar tropes, but in a different setting. And so mm-hmm. you see that a lot. You'll see. I mean, in, in Dune, there were like this sort of uh, the Catholic spacesuits or whatever at the very beginning, right? Yeah. There's lots of stuff yeah. like that. And and I think that's 
Um, would it really look like that? Well, certainly not. But those markers are meant for us to contextualize the yeah. the the out of contextness of it. Yep. Um, and I think that's that's good design, but it's not it's not proper speculative fiction. But it wasn't designed for that purpose, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I did like the bagpipes. I will say that that's my last closing <laughs> thought about. And then the- it comes out of nowhere. Is the best part. I don't know if it's in the book or not, but like I was very surprised. I don't think it was. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that it was. Mm-hmm. But um, the best part about I that really shot did. is. You hear the bagpipes for like five seconds before you see the person playing the bagpipes, and the, and you see them enter the frame, and there's somebody in the foreground with their their shoulder blocking. So you see the bagpipes, the person playing the bagpipes. You see their head. Mm-hmm. You see the bagpipes, and you're like, is he wearing a kilt? Is he wearing a kilt? Is he wearing a kilt? And nope, he's wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> so if you watch Dune again for that that shot, I will. <laughs> just worth it. That four that four seconds of like, is there a kilt? Is there a kilt? <laughs> Is the, it was the most <laughs> thrilling that movie got. <laughs> Savage. Yeah. <laughs> good burn, though. Um, yeah. Dune was the only fun I've had. Dune and podcast recording is the only fun I've had for like three weeks. Yeah? Yeah. Oof. When does this period end for you? I feel like I keep saying next week. <laughs> um, but probably next week. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're like, we moved a whole bunch of stuff over the weekend. Um, and maybe, maybe someday I'll be able to play a video game again. Hey. Yeah. I'm still the only one who's played Metroid. Apparently, you've uh, almost beaten it. I'll buy it when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> you don't that's, even have it. You don't even have it sitting in your home screen to tempt you. No. That's, wow. That's Steven's version of maybe next week. <laughs> no, I've I've been doing that thing I do with AAA games where I I, I marathon it in like four or five sessions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's the way I can fit it into my life, and also <laughs> stay up too late. <laughs> one of the many reasons. Um, but no, I got I was I got to the point where it's like okay, time to do the final boss now. Like you get the clues. Like it's you take the elevator and then it's pointed over turn or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go look around for a bunch of stuff. I'm gonna collect a lot of things yep. as much as until I get bored. Then I will go face the final boss. And I'm like, I got all the toys. I think I have all the of, of Samus's gear, but. I, there's a bunch of places I definitely can't reach, and they all have a very similar quality to them. So I must be missing, and it's the only type of thing I can't access, have one thing in common, yeah. how it's placed. And so I know I'm missing one thing. Yeah. And so I scoured the entire map <laughs> looking for rooms that I hadn't seen before. Yeah. And anytime I found something I hadn't seen before, it just led me to another one of these things oh. that I couldn't reach because I didn't have the thing I needed. Right. And so I was convinced I was just missing one thing. And so I looked all over and I finally thought, you know what? I haven't done it yet for this game, but I'm going to look up where this final thing is. I've searched the whole map. I've, I've done my due diligence. I'm just going to find out where it is. Mm. I look it up and I know I had all the things. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> it's just wandering the map for no reason. Yep. It's just that there's a a, a, um, a power-up that gives you two power-ups when you get it, hmm. but only explains how to use one of them. Oh. And people who played Metroid probably know what I'm talking about. Yep. I just didn't know I could do this. I think it probably did explain it to me, and I probably just didn't, didn't internalize it. Um, but... I spent all this time. Turns out I had it within me the whole time to do these things. <laughs> the <laughs> like, power was within me. Yeah, so I think I'm just going to go, when I get home, I'm just going to go get the final boss. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> nice. And that's our topic. Power ups. <laughs> yes, that whole that whole preamble, this whole 20-minute opening of the show, yeah. I don't know if it's a record, but it's close, yeah. um, is to get into my topic for today, which is power-ups. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just want to talk about... Um, they feel kind of like, oh, I know what a power-up is, but they have really different yes. ways of interacting. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they sometimes, they're very frequently mutually exclusive. Mm. And oh, I kind of want to get into that, it, it, whether that's, if maybe I'm making a big deal out of that, but like, is that something that is required or is that something just naturally we just, as, 
develop games that way. Oh, so, I can talk about that when we get to it. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing is power ups as upgrades. So this is the Metroidvania thing. So mm -hmm. this is uh, you. You know, you get more powerful, more power. Not always a Metroidvania exclusive kind of thing. It's very yeah. frequently just levels get harder, and you get the power ups you need as you go. Mm -hmm. um, but that's pretty common. They're permanent upgrades um, or they're new weapons. Um, I really like the way that Metroid Dread does it because one of the things that's kept me from playing, finishing any other Metroid is I keep hearing about the 30 upgrades and I'm like, there's only two buttons on an NES controller. How are there so many upgrades? Yeah. <laughs> and it's because it just changes the way you play. Mm -hmm. You get, you upgrade the missile four or five times, but you never change how you shoot a missile. Right, right, right. And it doesn't, it doesn't take away, you, like, there's maybe one example in Metroid Dread, but like, it, it adds things. Occasionally, we'll add new button combinations, and there's a lot in Metroid Dread. It uses all the buttons. I believe it. But um, but once it starts adding things, upgrades to things you already have, it doesn't change how you use it. Just change what it does mm -hmm. without removing the way for you to use it in the way you were previously using it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't change it um, in a way that that breaks or prevents you from doing things the way you previously had tried. Right. Yeah. And that is really really good design. Mm -hmm. And I didn't give mm -hmm. Metroid enough credit because I never got far enough into a Metroid to know that's how that works. Yeah. You know? But I mean, Ellen, you have the most Metroid experience here at the table. Mm, yeah, I guess. Well, maybe. <laughs> maybe before you play Dread all the way to almost the end. Um, specifically to spite me, I Is that really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were other reasons. <laughs> no, it is. Like, yeah, with, um, you know, when you were talking about how you you were struggling, you know, to figure out what these extra rooms were about. And it turned out it was just a way that you could use one of your existing abilities in a different way. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I thought of two things. One, the fact that whenever I get stuck, I just bomb everything. I just go turn into a morph ball and I bomb <laughs> everything. Yeah. And sometimes that works <laughs> and usually it doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing is like, I would just clearly saw in my mind the the Super Metroid menu where you can go in and you can toggle certain power-ups on and off. And that was one of the fun oh, things. Okay. Well, it was, Super Metroid was my first introduction to the franchise. And when I realized you could do that, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Let's see all the different beams I can do. Mm -hmm. And so then I would just like turn off turn off the ice beam and go with a, you know, go with the wave beam and just see what would happen with that and what yeah. it would actually do. And I did a lot of experimentation just switching things on and off on certain settings and figuring out what you know how i could use different beams in different ways mm -hmm. um so yeah if it doesn't it doesn't always tell you all the things you can do um when it's ever when like there is a new upgrade and it's a key upgrade and there's like a puzzle you have to solve with it yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. i will say one of the things i liked about metroid dread and this might be something that it's something about metroidvanias that i don't like is that metroidvanias tell you they're non-linear but they're just super linear yeah they, they just don't it's just behind the smoke and mirrors yeah. and metroid yeah. dread is not afraid to just lead you by the nose a yeah. little bit and i oh. like i like that quite a lot oh, okay um, we'll see when i play it if I well, like here's it. the thing <laughs> you you have to pay attention to see those signs okay but basically it's it's very difficult to get lost or to not know where to go next Oh, or I don't have your context that's true that's you, true. you <laughs> need to be engaged to do it it's not patronizing mm -hmm. but it's not it's not inscrutable for its own sake, okay. right, which right. I think is like, that's not what challenges. That's not, that's not an effective puzzle. Mm -hmm. That's just, you know, that's just tedium for no reason. Mm -hmm. And that's generally my, my complaint about Metroidvania is, as a genre. Um, and so it's, I, I bounced off of Ori for that reason. It was just, it, it like, it flummoxed me in ways that were just not in its own interest, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. uh, very frequently. But I, th I think this might be a, a minority opinion. I'm not sure. But Metroid Dread is just not afraid to be like, you got the new power up. 
here's to get out of the room we just gave it to you. Here's the obvious way to do it. Yeah. And then and the next place you need to use it, you probably remember seeing it on your way here. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a lot of oh, I have to scour the map for what this opens up for me now. Oh, um, okay. But the the more you do remember your the your path and the map, the more. Ed- you still you can stumble upon those things as you keep going, mm-hmm. uh, but the critical path is always they do a really good job of making you not have to remember that far back. Okay. Um. So if you are paying a little bit of attention, you're always going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really good. Um. Good, yeah. About the game. That sounds like. A um. Good and a lot of that is just that that the sequence of power ups as those upgrades. So that's the the you know getting back on topic. Right. Um. We did this for Widget Satchel, but we did it in a way that was very nonlinear in the fact mm-hmm. that you could. It was multi-path, right? You could pick which power-up you got. Yes. And I'm not sure that we were 100% successful in finding really, um, there were like the good ways to do it and like clumsy ways to do it. We wanted to punish players who got a lot of widgets early on and bought the most expensive thing. Yeah. Like we we, we wanted to make that like, we wanted to teach them not to go for that base instinct, I guess. Um, but otherwise, we 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 had kind of like two or three good ways, good orders to do it mm-hmm. that were mostly intuitive. Yeah. But I don't know if we put, did a lot of thinking about that other than just the immediate needs that the game had. Like, I don't know. We I don't know. What What is your memory of that? Because um, it was part of the core of the game originally. Yeah. And so it was a, it was a thing we didn't want to change. Yeah. But we didn't interrogate it that much, I don't think. Yeah. I think we I think a lot of my focus on the game was focused on the 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 the, the what, what what did we always call it the path that gives you all of the optimal things. path optimal path yeah um and uh so i feel like a lot of my thinking was around that and not so much about oh people can just choose whatever because i assume people would just be able to choose whatever yeah um and ultimately right we focused on not blocking someone's ability there's no yes. there's no wrong choices yes um but we I, didn't always we thought about a couple of obvious choices that would feel good and then we had the optimal path which required it really you'd never get it on your first try yeah. and that was not our intent so i think that worked out fine mm-hmm. but uh, we didn't fill in the rest of those blanks i don't think yeah yeah i think we, we could have done a better job about it and i think part of it is just like the opportunity to backtrack that's in in metrovanias and stuff yeah. isn't really in this in in which it's as much it's very limited but it's part of that optimal path so very it frequently is. players will never never right. see it so yeah. so i think that if we had more opportunities for people to backtrack it would come across a little bit better yeah in that way but that's fine that's what super widget satchel's <laughs> for i guess yeah but what, one of the things we did do is um in level five the mm. final level of the game yeah um it does reward you for having collected them all up to that point. Yes. So there's that that notion of the power up, and in the the final, the very final sequence of the last level, mm-hmm. um, it gives you the opportunity to afford the most expensive shuttle at the end of the game, but only really if you have all of the upgrades. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of very much by design to reward players. But I think we also we were very concerned about like players who didn't do as well and wanted to make sure they did fine. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that we spent enough time rewarding players outside the optimal path yeah in that way i would agree with that but that's sort of a different approach to what um other games use power-ups for Mm -hmm. so like the next one on my list here is consumables sure so Mm -hmm. uh shoot-em-ups have this pretty frequently and the weird the one example i had i don't know this is probably not the best one is like arkanoid like oh breakout yeah it totally does that's like that's the one i think about it's like breakout games are the ones with fancy power fun power I keep saying fancy fun (laughs) power-ups yeah um i so i agree with that Mm -hmm. i agree with that perspective yeah, and it's very, very different from 
any other kind of upgrade scheme, even like in Mario when you get get and lose Fire Flower or whatever. Yeah. A lot of times the upgrades are timed or they're just for the rest of this life. Yep. Um, instead of you can't really get it and lose it. And I, like they're very specifically tailored to be temporary. Pinball does this too. That's true. That's a good. This, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Time, yeah. There's opportunities for you to like get a second ball and you'll have to balance both of the balls and they'll mm-hmm. both fall in the hole because I don't know you're bad at right. Pinball. That's power up as burden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I really like that as a game design thing. Yeah. I don't. We should. There should be more of that. Power at a cost. I mean, Wizard Satchel did a well, not exactly, but you like picked up. I guess that was collectibles as burden. Right, that's a different mechanic, but served the same function. That's yes. a that's a good connection. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, I, I like these kinds of power ups because like you just feel you know you feel powerful for a period of time. You got you want to use it as best as you can so you can get yeah. the most points or whatever it is you're going for. I think maybe be. The examples we're thinking of are arcades mm-hmm. uh, examples, probably because these this is the most, I would say, simplest way to do power ups sure. is just to change things for a bit and then go back to normal. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's, it's very hard to break your game. Oh, Pac-Man. No, 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 no. I, would, I no. mean, it is literally consumable, <laughs> yeah. but actually that's an example of the next one, oh. which I'll move right to, oh, okay. is uh, power-ups to change the mechanics of play. Mm. So Mario is very much this, okay. right? Yeah. Is you move differently when you have the extra abilities, right? It's not, it doesn't change what your thing does, like in Breakout or something like that. Um, but Pac-Man's a good example of that. You get the power-up and then now you're playing a different game. Got it. Okay. Right? That's right. And it is temporary, mm-hmm. um, but that's sort of outside the definition. I think it more more importantly, it changes the mechanic. Yeah. Um, okay. and and it's part of a collection of mechanics. Mm-hmm. Right. So Pac-Man has only, you know, just the two modes. But um in Mario, you have the various power-ups that sort of form the complete Mario set. Yeah. And they're not permanent upgrades. They're, you know, they're temporary in the sense that you can lose them. But they're not really, they're really more designed to just sort of mix and match the mechanics to complete the entire experience. Sure. Um, and so they, they feel like they are power-ups, but I think when I get a fire flower, I don't feel powered up. I mm. feel like, oh, I have the fire flower now. Yeah. Because okay. it feels yeah. like part of the normal routine of playing a game. Sure. Where, whereas if I get like the, um, the spread fire 10 at a time thing in, in Arkanoid, uh-huh. I feel powered. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I get that. Yeah, and I think that's probably I don't know maybe that's probably the most common, you know, type of power up um, in like in a in a in a more in modern a game. Former. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. Metroidvania, I think that's the case. Mm. I think that. Well, like weapons in like in like Doom or Quake or any other. For, I don't oh, know why yeah. I went that yeah. far back, but in weapons are this mm-hmm. right? Where you have a, you have the rocket launcher. That's true. Um, for a while, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a and good then, point. Yeah. Right, and th- those all those put together, they all have to be balanced mm-hmm. in a way that like power ups in in a arcade game don't have to be as balanced. Yeah. Um, or though those power-ups are maybe self-balancing because they're about about scores and they're delivered at a certain pace, so it's equal between players. Right. But in 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 this type of power-up, it's much more about um, a set of mechanics that complete the whole experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's I think that's a balanced challenge that I don't think designers think about often enough. Like, oh, I, we introduced this new idea in this level, and if it's only in this level, it's not going to feel balanced. Like it's still gonna play fine, yeah. But it's gonna feel like by the time I get to the end of the game, I'm like, what was that? I I was really hoping I'd see that thing again. Or like you introduce a power up early on and then lean on it really heavily for the rest of the game. Like, why isn't it just part of the default move set then? Right, right, yeah. right. You know, I think that's a harder balance challenge, and people don't consider it as a balance challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, yeah. and it's a variety challenge, I suppose, mm-hmm. which is important. Yeah, yeah. You want to give players the sort of the um, 
like give them a rich experience, give them novelty, have what they do change over time. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it makes you feel more powerful when you have a wider variety of essentially skills to bring to bear in problems that you're trying to solve. Yeah. 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 So, um, and it's not just power ups for your player. It's also, I mean, for your character, it's also power ups for your player. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. My last category here, which mm. is power-ups as level design. Yeah. And this is something I don't think people think about often enough, which is, I re- we try to do this in Widget Satchel, whereas the, the power-ups you get are only viable in the context of how the level is designed. Mm. Yeah. So, like, when you have the star power-up in Mario, that comes at a point where you need it because there are a bunch of enemies that are hard to get through, mm-hmm. or there's a certain... Uh, a platform that you need to reach and so you need a, a different jump ability or something and so um, I think that is a pretty important uh, concept there that I that I think is Metroidvanias do this really well mm-hmm. but as you upgrade permanently it sort of like at the end of when I got the screw attack it's yeah. like enemies don't matter anymore right yeah and yeah. that's that is fun yeah but it's not quite the same as this where sure. I feel like um, this is more I mean this is not like uh, absolute but it, uh, an example of this would be more something where every time you go through that level like as mario you pick up the same power of the same spot and mm-hmm. you know it's it's a it's a singular mm-hmm. experience it doesn't change the second time you go through it yeah mm-hmm. but it's it changes from what you played just before that sure you know? mm-hmm. oh it changes your experience because, like, you picked up power ups at different rates or different locations. Yeah, it's a, it's about it's a it's a lot about the pacing, right? Yeah, so, okay. so okay. like Ellen was talking, like, sort of the, the distribution of power ups through a, through the, through a game right. that is only really meaningful if it interacts with how the levels are built. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Like, yes. it's cool to get the you know, like, if you're playing, uh, uh, I don't have a lot of experience playing Contra, but I think about that as another game with like consumable. Yeah. Because uh, it has kind of a, a shoot 'em up kind of quality to mm-hmm. it. Um, I remember in that game. It didn't matter that much what part of the level I got the power up in. I just wanted a power up. Yeah. And I, I'll take any of them at any time. Yeah. Well, I think, I don't remember if Contra did this specifically, but other games sometimes would just give you a random power up. I know that like um, Castlevania games will do that. The, at least the first one, I think. Mm-hmm. You get a random power up in like, I, I know that speedrunners try to manipulate RNG yeah. or whatever so they get the right power up that they want. But sometimes it's just not the case or whatever. Yeah, there's, I mean, I guess as I didn't really think about that is, is um, power ups as chaos. Like Mar- Mario Kart is that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. And that's, that's a, in competitive games, yeah. that's by design. Yeah. But I would say in a, in a single player game, that feels like um, um, randomness standing in for novelty or design. Um, I'm oh, not sure. Well, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm not arguing that this is a level design thing. I think it's no, more no. Like- I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just sort of, I'm poo pooing the idea. That, like, <laughs> I, I feel like that you, you could have worked a little harder on that sort of thing. Like, oh, well, if that's the, I if that's how de- your game is I built, think it depends on the game. I'd say yeah. that it's more of an adaption sort of yeah. test. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's um, that, that's what can be fun about it is yeah. as chaos, yes. right? Oh, yeah, that yeah. that can be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure that was the intent in Castlevania yeah, uh, or know. in other games that do this, mm-hmm. but like, um, but even in Mario, there's a couple of random power up blocks. But usually those. Almost always, those power whatever you get is irrelevant. Yeah, and that's partly because Mario games are so level design focused, mm. and where the and power placement is so important that when it gives you a random one, it doesn't matter what you get because it never matters. Because it wasn't. That's not the point of it at that point. Yeah, you almost never feel like, oh, I got the good one. It's like, oh, I guess I got the one I would have wanted, but who cares? Because this level's not designed for me to need any of these. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Okay, I have a question. Yes. How do roguelikes and roguelites? into this it's a good question and i don't have any answers for you on that because i don't have any experience with those genres <laughs> right well um yeah steven <laughs> i can try to answer I don't I don't play a ton just, of your, just your best 
Your best shot. <laughs> so, I mean, well, actually, that's a good... Oh, okay, 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 okay. So, I'm thinking of Risk of Rain and its sequel, Risk of Rain 2. Mm-hmm. All, all of the items you get, you know, as you defeat things and open up chests and whatever else, you pick up random items, power-ups, um, and they affect your your character's build yeah. effectively. Like, they affect their stats, and that affects how you play the game. Um, so arguably this is a form of, it's not a form of changing mechanics because you basically do the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's progression. It's upgrades. It, yeah. It's upgrades. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so, uh, but the path is unpredictable. Yes. The path is unpredictable. And that's, what's interesting about it. And that's what makes it. Yeah. That's okay. what makes it interesting as a rope. Like, is yeah. that like, you know, as you pick up these upgrades and you get a lot of upgrades. Um, and the cool things that Hades yells at you between yeah. runs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Hades is a good example yeah. too. They that might be why that. I don't like the genre very much is because like when I was playing Hades, one of the, you know, the is before I totally bounced off of it for other reasons, mm. the thing that frustrated me most was like it gave me random power-ups. I was yeah. like, I don't care. Like just like I, I mastered this thing and this choice and then the next time I play through, I have to do something totally different. Sure. Like it's, then I'm spending all of my time learning and none of my time playing. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, what you're trying to do over the long haul is manipulate the state of the game so that certain power-ups are more frequent. Yes. Right. Yeah. To, to optimize your own play style. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I haven't gotten far enough into the game to <laughs> get the fruits of that yet, but. Yeah. I, and that would be very satisfying mm-hmm. if, you know, but there has to be at least some interest in the task for the reward to feel worth it. Right. Yeah. You know, that's true. But yeah, I guess ultimately uh, there are power-ups as upgrades in that. Mm-hmm. You know, you you your character gets better over yeah. time with these different up- yeah. power ups, right? Right, but right. But they affect how you play in a way that is not the same as like a Metroidvania, mm-hmm. because like you know you get random ones, right? And that's yeah, a yeah, road yeah. light thing, right? In proper yes. roguelikes, you always start with nothing, mm-hmm. right? Well, yeah, it, roguelikes and road. I guess no, no. I guess it depends because some road rogue lights. Yes, rogue lights. Um, like when you come back to a new loop or whatever, you count, you keep some of the abilities or some of the benefits that okay. you picked up from previous. It's not, there's not a hard and fast rule about these things. Yes. Okay. Um, but it does change the way you play. And so the randomization gives you a, a wide variety of experiences, which is meant to help you. So there's like a lot of purpose to it. Right. In a way that like, you know, so I don't mean to disparage it. That's, I think it's a matter of taste at mm-hmm. that point. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the whole glossary. Like it's well, there's. <laughs> so I wanted to talk. So to, to bring back to the your the question you proposed in the beginning, yeah. why like people kind of or games tend to just have one type of power up. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the reason for that is because it complicates the game to a point that makes it difficult for a player to parse in the moment. Because mm, I yeah, think we experienced. Sense. I think we experimented with that a little bit in Fingence. Like we had. We had, you know, a Fingence has regular upgrades that you get in between levels, mm-hmm. but it also has, or we also attempted to, like, add in power-ups and things during the gameplay that you yeah. can pick up, and it just, like, muddied the uh, effect of, like, the builds that you were working on in the, in the initially, and it, yeah. it made it difficult to, like, understand what was happening um, in the moment. Oh, it's interesting. That, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because when, you, when you're getting a power-up, whether it's, like, at the end of a level or something, it's this momentary pause in the gameplay, but you do want to get right back at it, right? Yeah. Like, but yeah, I could see how mixing in additional power-ups would be something that would like kind of interrupt your well, flow. Well, and it, it is difficult to learn as you're doing that too. Cause like mm-hmm. I, what, I, what I experienced in Fingence, um, is that uh, people would, you know, they get a new augment and then they go to the next level and they try to understand what that augment does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're learning what that augment does over the course of that, that 
level. Yeah. yeah. And then they go to the next one and get a new augment. But like yeah. if you're learning what that augment does is and, you know, during the course of that level, you get a new power up and you're trying to figure out how this augment works mm. and you get this new power up that changes how your game mm -hmm. works, your gameplay works. It makes it difficult to learn what either thing does. It's so, funny. This goes back to a thing that Ellen, you identified in a couple episodes ago, just expectations. Yeah. It's like all of this comes down to that, the language of what you expect and what the game develops you to expect. Like, mm -hmm. what's I, it telling you? I said that. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds kind of smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've been thinking ever since that episode, it was, but we were talking about something else and then you framed it in that way. And then it's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And every topic sense, I've thought framing it in that way is really helpful. Yeah. Um, and huh. it, so, I mean, you think about like the two types of power-up systems. It's like, you know, one's Italian and one's Mandarin Chinese. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. it, they're both fun yeah. to learn and, mm -hmm. and use, but the, together it's not that helpful yeah. uh, to learn one or the other if you have to learn them both at the same time and yeah. at, at random points or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty strained metaphor, but I think that's no, the but kind it, of... but it does make sense. It's, def you can't, yeah. it's hard to learn two languages at the same time. Right. You know, and actually, um, one of the things that does make it easier to learn two languages at the same time mm -hmm. is if it's very clear what you should expect from one context versus another. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, yeah. okay, so the teacher's going to read me a book, and the first time I'm going to hear it, it's going to be in English, and the second time I hear it, it's going to be in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And when we're doing the Spanish read of the book, the whole read is in Spanish. When we're doing the English read of the book, the whole read is in English. And having... And when you're first dealing with like people who are learning languages, I just learned this. I'm not a language learning expert, but I just learned this from other reasons. And like that's a, an important thing that you want to do. You want to make it clear when you're when you're introducing a word in one language or the other, um, because keeping that clarity of context is important to helping the person learning the language, whether they're a child or an adult, mm -hmm. build the right mental model of the language systems. And lo and behold, learning about games works the same way, apparently. You know, so. it, I, the example I'm thinking of is like in Mario 3, there are like the gambling huts where you, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. where you spin the wheel and Mario 2 has this also. Mm. And those are very different. And then you get like a random number of one-ups or something like you get, it's, you're engaging a different kind of power-up mechanic, mm -hmm. but it's isolated and separate yeah. from yes. the other type yeah. of play. Yes. And so it doesn't feel discordant in any way. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. and, and frankly, in Mario games, they, uh, whenever you get a new power-up, that, that level is almost always dedicated to that power-up. Mm -hmm. yeah. It doesn't really give you, like the, the new Super Mario Bros. power-ups uh, power give you a variety of different things. There's like a penguin suit and a propeller suit and a whole bunch of other junk. Mm -hmm. um, but oftentimes it's just um, segmented to like one part of a level or yep. like that whole level yeah so you can understand what that level is about mm -hmm. right right it doesn't it doesn't give you the penguin suit I, I think i'm probably wrong somebody correct me it doesn't give you the penguin suit and the propeller suit at the same time so some now it does do that sometimes oh, but okay. in that moment then the player has a choice to make right. yeah and that's an interesting choice if, okay. if i'm going to choose this power up because it will make this part of this next level easier yeah. i'll take the propeller hat because there's a lot of pits mm. and i want a second chance to get out of them mm -hmm. but um i'll take the boomerang uh suit instead sure. because there's also a lot of enemies and i'm not going to be able to navigate my jumps as well yeah but i'm pretty sure i can stay out of pits yeah and so you can make that choice based on how the so that's it's that's really fun right but also sometimes a power-up will be there and you won't know why mm -hmm. and it's kind of like it's figuring like oh because there's this alternate path to get one of those special coins. Yeah. And so it's not part of the normal playthrough. And when when you get a power up in Mario that feels like it doesn't belong here, that kind of 
puts your mind into detective mode, mm-hmm. yeah. which is really fun. And because mm-hmm. the game has taught you that, that everything is always there for a reason. Yeah. And additionally, at the point where they're giving you those kinds of choices, you've experienced these power-ups long enough to know what they do without you having to learn yes. them on the fly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So learning. It's fun. <laughs> you I know, guess. learning is fun. And my favorite power-up, I think, of all time, maybe this counts as a power-up, Think of a rocket launcher counts as a power up, or this counts as a power up. <laughs> okay. Is um, in Super Mario Odyssey, one of the first islands you get to has a T Rex. <laughs> and you're just learning how to use the hat. And of yeah. course, you see a T Rex, you're like, well, I wonder if I can control it with a hat. And you can. Yeah. And then you get to stomp around the island as a T Rex for a while. Yeah. yeah. That was my favorite one. Oh, and that that's such a perfect example of that's a classic Mario teach you how to play moment. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, You've used the hat a couple of times, but you kind of, the, every enemy is enemy sized. Mm-hmm. And then you hit that and you're like, immediately your mind is, what else can this do? Right. Yeah. And yeah. then you spend the rest of the game throwing your hat at everything. At everything. And, and, and you yeah. slowly learn the language of what is controllable. Yep. Yep. And, 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 and you're not limited by like, oh, how big this thing is. And eventually, like, you control a giant, like, uh, a, uh, a slab of meat. Yeah, in the middle yeah, of thing right. that you yeah. that you drop into a soup or something like yep. there's just tons of things and that's not as weird because you've been primed for that mm-hmm. with that one surprise early on and it's delightful yeah you it know is. it is so i think that's something that you we didn't really talk about like in terms of like how you put all your power-ups together but like they all should be in communication with each other yes right they, uh, it, and that's I think important when you have like a really good idea for one, it's not a good idea unless it fits with everything, all the other ideas. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the hardest thing to do when you develop something like this, because anytime you come with a new idea, you then have to, it's like when they introduce a new character into to smash, you have to, Kirby has to swallow them. Yes. So you have to do some work there too. That's, that's so funny because what I'm in the Kirby smash discord and whenever there's a new smash, the Kirby smash discord. Look, okay. Of, of course that exists. Course. Why, why would I have ever thought that wasn't a thing and that you weren't part of it? Exactly. <laughs> it sounds like but a anyway, great place. It is a great place. That's where I get all my discord Kirby's. Um, but what's interesting is like whenever there's a new smash character announced, they don't announce it as a new smash character. They're like a new Kirby power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> oh, very fun. Uh, hey, folks! Uh, quick message. Uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, okay. please. There you go. Um, message and send tweets. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, yeah. Please send a tweet. We we prepared a couple of reasons why you might want to do this. Right. Um, I don't know why I have to go through this. I guess. I mean, I'm obligated, but yep. really, you should just follow us on Twitter. People like lists. First one, Dale, who runs our Twitter. Very, very cool. Awesome. Yes. Um, so cool. Dale retweets the best stuff in game dev, the coolest, funniest jokes, and also really, really good um, uh, tutorial content that she comes across and like le- lessons learned from developers and some like it, it, it's a really she's a really good curator of game dev Twitter. And that happens on our on our Twitter. And you should follow it for that reason. Yeah. Um, we have an example here. Uh, Steven, that you... Should I read it? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been a graphics programmer on Darkest Dungeon 2 for a little over a year now, and I've seen some such twisted evil things. Horrors which would drive ordering mortals mad. But leaving Unity aside, the lores and stuff are pretty cool, too. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Yeah. (laughs) So lots of really well-put, relatable content Mm -hmm. uh, that gets retweeted uh, by our account. Uh, And you'll find uh, that, uh, not just that, you'll find stuff about 
the show. Yes. Uh, when we're doing special events, when we release new content on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, new, new episode announcements come out on Twitter as well. Right, right, right. Um, so if you don't want to, you know, just follow us because of us, fine. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. But really, it's for the rest of the window into the, maybe the game dev Twitter that you aren't quite part of yet. And maybe you can find new people to follow and explore, expand your curatorial yeah. reach on Twitter. Um, I think that's a really good reason as well. So I, I think I think that covers it, right, Stephen? Yes, yes. I'll give a metaphor. Okay. All right, so if you have, like, trail mix, right? Mm-hmm. Proper trail mix. That I has, like where this is going. Yeah, you know where it's going, right? Proper trail mix that has M&Ms in it. I don't know where this is going. I just like where it's going. <laughs> okay. okay, all right, okay. Um, it's like Dale has picked out all the M&Ms for you already. Oh, okay. That's very good. And also it's different than just giving you a bag of M&Ms, right? That's right. different. I just want to make sure that's clear. Right, because it's it's forged by experience and had a little bit of salt on it. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> At Nice Games Club. All right, Ellen, we're at 53 minutes, and I know you like to keep these shows around an hour. I do. Do you think you can truncate your topic? Would that suit your tired mind? We'll see what we can do. Okay. Well, actually, the thing, the thing that's really interesting is, and I'm really glad that we paired these topics together because we talked a lot for the first one, which <laughs> meant that I didn't have to do, I feel like I don't have to really drag <laughs> Production secrets, weight. folks. This uh, is this uh, is how the, the sausage is made. Yeah. Um, Usually, usually not, but today, yeah, <laughs> for for aforementioned reasons. Um, but I want to talk about franchises because, well, I have some questions. Uh-huh. And I'm glad we talked about power-ups first because a lot of the games we mentioned in that segment ha- are part of franchises, yeah. right? So I feel like we're primed to answer some of these questions. That mm-hmm. I have. But these are kind of global questions. And I'm, I'm first of all, what's your favorite franchise? I just Kirby, it. Kirby. I knew, yeah. <laughs> I, I was also going to say, I bet oh, we already he, know some He took these. mine. <laughs> Wait, no, also Smash. Uh, oh, no. You have Wait. to pick one. You have to pick one. <laughs> but you really hate Melee. I don't hate Melee. It's not accurate. <laughs> I mean, folks, if you've heard him talk about it. <laughs> We're going to have to grab some clips and replay this. I proceeding. talk about it like I do my brother. I love oh. my brother. Oh, okay. Well, that, that's news him. to me, too. Um, <laughs> 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 all right, man. Well, I mean, whatever. I was, go ahead, pick one, then. I was oh, trying to help yeah. you out. No, okay. Um... Um, skip. <laughs> okay, Kirby then. Um, Mark, how are you? I uh, it seems so boring, but I think Mario is my favorite franchise. That's a, it's so good though. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm such a big proponent in the games I make of of storytelling and theme, and Mario has so little of that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's um, funny. But it's still it's still my favorite games to play. Yeah, that's so interesting. I, mm-hmm. I think for me, it's. I feel like I should say like Metroid, yeah. But I think I'm actually going to say Legend of Zelda, and mm, it's okay. not because I've played I haven't played as many of the installments in the Legend of Zelda franchise as I have of Metroid, right? Um, not that I'm like a deep expert on either one, but I think uh, the impression that Breath of the Wild left on me, yeah, was so powerful that like it cemented that's the standing for Legend of Zelda as my favorite franchise for like a long time. That's so funny because no matter how much I love that game. It always feels like such a, um, uh, like a, a a big extra example of the of a Zelda game. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And so I, because I don't have a, I have only played a couple of other ones. Mm-hmm. That I, it would, it's hard for me to think of my love for Breath of the Wild as reflecting on the rest of the franchise yeah, as that's much. True. 
Um, you know, actually, that's interesting. I'm just not letting myself do that. I'm not yeah, saying yeah, that yeah. it's not a good uh, idea to. I just, I, I never think of it that a way. A friend of mine who's a big Zelda fan bounced off of Legend of Breath of the Wild because it's so different it's from so the different. other Zelda. Oh, huh, interesting. Yeah. Except except for, like, the first one. It's, yeah. I feel like the, the Breath of the Wild is closer, closer in spirit to the first Zelda game and maybe Wind Waker than oh, the other yeah, Zelda yeah. games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I guess that's a But you question. know what? If a game is that good, it's, I mean, it could just bring the whole franchise up you know it's the, there's yeah. no reason they have to be you know uh, uh like a, an outlier or not you that's know true. yeah that's true. yeah i mean you're talking about something subjective like what's your favorite one you yeah need to do something like that but yeah. i guess that leads me to something that maybe is a maybe is as subjective but maybe isn't as subjective and that's just like the question of well what is a video game franchise overall because when i think mario games there's like multiple franchises within Mario, right? Oh, or sure. Like spin-off franchises. There's like the racing games. Yeah, like I'm not counting Mario Golf. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. But that's one of the things I like about Mario is that that they are different mechanically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in a in a way that's more than just this like as different as Breath of the Wild is, mm-hmm. there's still a lot of the hallmarks. It's still the same type of game mm-hmm. as as Twilight Princess, for example, it, despite it being radically different in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Mario, I think they're just not afraid to make the game play completely differently. There's yeah. some core movement that I think is probably uh, people expect to be similar. Um, I don't know. As I'm saying out loud, maybe I'm giving it too much credit compared to other franchises. That's true. I think it's an emotional experience, too. Like, yeah. that's another thing yes. you can count on, right? That's in a, a franchise way. is like a type of emotional experience. Right. Yeah. There, if there was a Dark Souls cart, you'd know exactly how that feels, right? <laughs> Slow and frustrating. Right. Yeah, I, I barely got through a fourth of this lap before I had to start over. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then I tilt here. You crashed. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> Where would the obscure lore come in? <laughs> Uh, you have to stop every once in a while. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> I'm not, not trying to grip on Dark Souls. I actually really do like the games. Yeah. I don't really play them, but I really do yeah. like them. It is funny that we all picked Nintendo franchises. Yeah. I mean, it's not that surprising, I guess. But they've, all, but they've also been around longer. Maybe that's part of it. But that's true. Some of the best-selling franchises also, which yeah. is on the list of... Um, best-selling video game franchises that I pulled up from Wikipedia. Yeah. Hey. yeah. You know, that might, that, I, I imagine a lot of us would, if you really were to, what is our actual favorites, mm-hmm. might not be the ones that are the most popular, the ones we've played the most. Yeah. But they're the easiest answers to have. When you think of franchise, you almost think of of pop culture popularity. Yeah. You know? you, right? As yeah. like, that's what qualifies it as a franchise, even though maybe games you liked better that had two or three installments, like you wouldn't, it wouldn't be the first thing you think of when you think of franchise. Right. Like we were just talking about Darkest Dungeon 2 yeah. in, the, um, in our call to action segment. Is Darkest Dungeon a franchise? I mean, technically. Yeah. But yeah. I don't really think of it as one. Yeah. I mean, I'm making a Widget Satchel sequel for Playdate. It's technically a franchise now. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Widget Satchel. Sorry, Breath of the Wild. It's Widget Satchel. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. I guess uh, just to kind of explore this idea a little bit more, like what, what, are some of the differences between what we think of as a video game franchise and other types of media franchises, like yeah. a movie franchise or like a multimedia franchise, like, you know, Star Wars has become. Mm-hmm. The way I think of it really is just like a, a form of media that has at least two successes, I think is kind of all you need for oh, it to yeah. be a franchise. Yeah. Cause like, 
I mean, it, technically, but I think Ellen's asking a bigger question. Well, oh, I like, okay. I like that answer, though, because it, it was it comes at it the whole topic from an angle that I honestly hadn't thought about, which oh, is mm-hmm. like the commercial success of a thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, because like the, 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 a lot of things nowadays are built so that they can try to be franchises, right. I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. So, like, ultimately, if they can make, like, w- just because you made one good movie doesn't mean that the rest of the movies will, will do well. If right. You, if like, you, Universal made three movies in its dark universe uh, universe yeah. before they pulled the plug on that. Right. No one would call that a franchise of these days. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were just failed movies. Right. Right. Um, well, people didn't even see the connections because the one wasn't successful enough. So they made another one, but didn't make a lot of references to it. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I think that it's important for a franchise to be for people to recognize it as a franchise. So they need to see that it because can be, then when the next one comes out, you they, there's some buy in. Well, because that's the that's some the expectations. As far as I understand it, the purpose of a franchise is for people to have some form of a familiarity to it, which means that they have they know what experience they have a general idea of what kind of experience they're going to go into right. it and they have some trust built up with this this brand right so they they feel comfortable spending more money on yeah it. right i guess i'm being a little cynical on it well, business, in which case but, to answer ellen's question there yeah. is no difference then compared yeah. to any other type of media franchise yeah. Yeah. That. with that lens applied yeah mm-hmm. for sure yeah. and i guess it totally makes sense because i think to me that makes it an easier it makes it easier for me to get my head around like these multimedia franchises where, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, we, we were talking about Star Trek earlier. Like there's, there are tabletop games and there's TV shows and there's movies and there's probably comics and there's just yeah. so much out there. Um, but there is a similar, there is like a similar thread between all of them and you do have trust and that trust is the thing that might lead you to, to buy something or watch something that you weren't necessarily going to like yeah. a kid's Star Trek show. That's a really good point because I think one of the things I always talk about with Star Trek that's different from other franchises is that it has an ideology mm-hmm. that others don't always, but that's not what makes it a franchise. Yeah. That's just the thing that makes it a franchise, mm-hmm. right? Like well, like Star Wars has a milieu mm-hmm. that makes it a, a franchise and that's not not, that's not any less valid. valid yeah. and to there's, be so there's frank. an expectation in any Star Trek media that it has this you know that right. that ideology right like that's the experience like the, you when expect. people see the new star wars or they see the new star trek series and they say this doesn't really feel like a star wars the way yeah. the old ones did or whatever yeah. that that's them basically trying to wiggle around that definition yes um yeah because ultimately like the the idea of what a franchise is isn't necessarily universal like when people think of mario they think of fun times and yeah. how you can play or whatever um, but that isn't necessarily a universal thing. I think some people have a hard time with certain Mario games. Um, and some people don't find certain Mario games fun, d- despite the fact that they are, you know, cheerful. So there's a really great YouTube video oh. where somebody did a, they did a poll where they asked a bunch of people, um, what, tell me all the Mario games. Mm-hmm. And that's is all they said. Oh, interesting. And, and some respondents replied, uh, like all the Mario Kart games were included, just all the ones yeah. they could remember. Sure. Some people said that Mario Two, because it was a, 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 a adaptation of another game, yeah. the U.S. version anyway, sure. is not a Mario game. Some people okay. say that the Japanese Mario Two, because it's essentially an expansion pack to the first Mario, mm-hmm. is not a Mario game. Mm-hmm. And so the the um, the YouTube video uh, kind of puts all these and says, what are, what do, what's the game that everyone can agree is a Mario game? Which I think was Super Mario World and no, those and like yeah. no. Some people even thought the first Mario, Super Mario Brothers, wasn't it? Like huh. it, it goes into into depth into like 
the data on what people say compared to what you might assume people would say. Mm. Um, I don't know that it has a ton of great answers at the end of the end of it, but sure. it's really interesting because it's what we're talking about now is like our expectations, what we expect, what we personally define yeah. and how that informs how excited we're going to be for the next in that franchise. Yeah. Mm. And the franchises can be um, cross definitional. So you could say, oh, I love everything that Warner Brothers puts out. I don't know if there's a person out there who says that, but you could there's, everything, right? There, maybe there's someone who's maybe who's someone who you know worked at the Warner Brothers lot for a summer and had a great experience and then just all, loves Warner Brothers movies, right? Yeah. Um, or uh, someone who sees all the movies that a certain actor is in. Yeah, that's a type of franchise, in, in at least the way we're describing it. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's my last. Let me get closer to the mic. Yeah. Here's my last question before we wrap this thing up. Mm -hmm. And this might only be like the planting of a seed that we have to revisit and water again later. Right. Um, but given what we just said about franchises and how a lot of it's about expectations, like what should indie developers think about when it comes to- If they want to franchise. If they want to, if they want to build a franchise, yeah. what, what, what do you do? I think this is definitely a case of, um, this might be a little bit more about the sort of fictional part of it, or but uh -huh. there's a lot of when you think about world building, like yeah. like novelists will do all this world building that they just keep in their drawer, yeah. right? And it'll just inform their writing. Yep. I think you can do that if you want to build a franchise and not an IP, but a franchise in the way we're describing it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now, of course, you have very few guarantees, far <laughs> fewer than you do if you're Ubisoft trying to launch a new franchise. Yes. But you can think about it in similar terms about like, what's, what is going to be the expectations that players have when the next one of these comes out? And how do I make sure that it's highlighted here? And what are the core things that are about this game? And what are the core things that I want to develop and do something larger? And you may change your mind as you make the second one of those. But I think having an idea, and that also maybe can help you with scope creep a little bit. You can say like, well, each, this game I'm making as the first of a franchise is going to be a lens into all of my great ideas. Mm -hmm. And then you don't have to do all your great ideas in one game. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. True. So maybe it's a, just a trick you play on yourself, which I endorse. Yes. <laughs> okay. I feel like it's dangerous to think of your game as a franchise. Because, I mean, then you'll do the thing that the Dark Universe did. <laughs> yeah. And you make one, three crappy well, movies. Well, I think, yeah, there's the lesson to be learned about um, holding back your best idea. Yes. I guess. Yeah. Um, which happens in movies a lot of times. Right, right. You know? I, I don't think that, I mean, games are going to take a long time to make regardless yeah. of what you do. Yeah. So, like, it's probably best, unless your game takes a few weeks to make or something. Yeah. Even then, it's. I don't know. You know, but as indie artists, replace franchise with artist statement, uh -huh. right? Yeah, like yeah, if yeah. you make, there's a lot, I know a lot of developers who make small games and they're all very similar, but they're part of an evolving kind of statement, yeah. even though they don't have the same characters or anything, but and maybe have some of the same mechanics, but a lot of that is just for expediency's sake or whatever. Yeah. Um, that is a type of, you build a, I mean, another word for it is brand, uh, which is a little bit crass, mm -hmm. but um, so if you think about an indie scale, like maybe you make puzzle games. Well, then that's your thing. And it's going to be, these are the four puzzle games I'm going to make. And, yeah. the, and they share some things in common, but really what they share in common is that I made them all. But that, yeah, well, that's a dis, dis, discography. Dis, discography. How do you say the word? <laughs> you basically got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That, well, you're, yeah, you're describing, you know, the different things that like an artist has made. Right, right, and right. You're kind of describing their like journey as they, you know, learn things and decide what they want sure, to do. Sure, sure. I think which that, is unavoidable. You're just going to do that. Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> but, but I guess that's kind of what I was getting to is like mm -hmm. put yourself in your work. Yes. I, I don't disagree with that either. I'm just arguing that that's not necessarily a franchise. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. what I'm saying. I, say that. I think that like you're like it's not going to be. 
it won't be written about in those terms. Yeah. Well, but, but I think the definition we set for it, I think this is a lens to it. I guess that's not, I guess you're not, I don't, I guess I don't fully disagree with it or anything like mm-hmm. that. I think that, I think you have a point. I think that like. All I ever want in life is for you to not fully disagree with me. <laughs> <laughs> and for the most part, I think that's fair. <laughs> for the most part, he doesn't fully disagree. Yeah. <laughs> That's close enough. Yeah. You should take the win. Yeah. No, but I, I think that like, I guess I, I, I'm having a hard time not thinking about it outside of a marketing perspective. Yeah. Because like, I think that like. And maybe that's the more helpful definition. Like, yeah, I, maybe be. I'm just talking it out of existence, really. Mm. So I see your, I see your point. I don't, yeah. I, I think that like, I think that in order for a game to be a franchise, it needs to, it, it, you know, it has to have those two things I was saying. It needs to be uh, a, a player, a player needs to be able to understand what the experience they're going to get. And they need to. Um, be able to trust that they will get a decent experience from this thing. Right. Um, they're so. going to trust they're going to get a little bit of the same and they're going to get a little bit of something new. Yes. And so, yeah, this does feel very market driven. Yeah. 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 I, well, Ellen, does this satisfy you? Like, what would be your definition? No. Why did you ask? <laughs> I don't. Um, yeah, I think I, I don't know how I would have answered that question at the beginning of our conversation. Yeah. But towards the end of it, I do think I'm kind of leaning towards steven's description of it because when i think about franchises in like a more casual sense like as a player mm-hmm. i think about some kind of more some looser associations like we talked to you know we were joking around with dark souls a little bit earlier but um why i usually you know eric's a huge fan of this this franchise my husband mm-hmm. and so whenever we're talking about it we talk about Soulsborne, right yeah. because it includes the game bloodborne right which of uh, all the ones that i watched him play and freaked out while he was playing because i'm very easily <laughs> spooked that one was That's definitely be the, the spookiest. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, it's not really part of the franchise, but it is talked about in like the same as if it's part of this family right so i think about it right from a, because that's made by so people say metroidvania they're talking about mechanics but they were made by the same people right yes. exactly the way that the those two games yeah, were. yeah exactly like the dark souls games and bloodborne were mm-hmm. um and then there are more and more games coming out um that are kind of in that family and they're they're playing on the same kind of idea of shared expectations but they're not necessarily all part of a franchise because they're not all the same shared story and characters i don't know i think i think that when i started we started this conversation i was really hoping for franchise to lead to like a very specific like definition right and now which is not how we do things here here. (laughs) we break those things down and now now i'm thinking like from a player perspective i'm just gonna think of like families of games yeah yeah and franchising is like a business and marketing term right and literally only makes sense in that context as far as i understand the term franchise comes from like restaurants right like if you have two restaurants then it's a franchise otherwise (laughs) you have a restaurant (laughs) or you have a chain of restaurants yeah yeah Dang it, that's different. But if you have a franchise and it's like how it's structured at yeah. a corporate level, and then you have franchisees and things like that, yeah. but that doesn't really transfer over to games. Yeah. But on the other hand, but yeah. I mean, we can talk. I think it is valuable to talk about it from like a yeah. game developer perspective. And yeah, not yeah. A marketing well, interesting. We we it's sort true. of we wandered into like a higher minded notion of it, and then we realized, oh, we should probably just make a simple definition. And we're like, oh, it's actually really obvious what that simple definition is. <laughs> yeah. Did we waste our time? No, actually, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice game club experience, I think. Yep. <laughs> um, but I mean, to the, your question, then, what do indies say, think about this? Do, do we just put it out of our minds and just let it be part of marketing later on? Or I, I think you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not even gonna hold back. I'm gonna agree with Stephen 100. <laughs> I'm not even just gonna not disagree with him. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Because what I think you were saying earlier, Stephen, is like, don't focus on building a franchise. Focus on making a good game. Yeah. yeah. 
And if you have a good game, then make your next good game. And if your next good game has similar elements to your first good game, well, then you might have the makings of a franchise started out. Mm. But like, focus on making good games. And if the franchise presents itself as an opportunity, we'll we'll have you on the show. We'll ask you about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's our show. Check out our website, nicegames.club, for show notes and links to resources on today's topics. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and on our programming in general. Go to nicegames.club feedback and tell us what you think. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at NiceGamesClub, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and learning UI design in real time. Or you can email us through contact at nicegames.club. Want to support the show? There are so many ways. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about your favorite episodes. Join us on Discord by visiting nicegames.club slash Discord, and also we're on Patreon. As a patron of the show, you'll get to enjoy bonus content, extra jokes, and more. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. So, until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. My voice kind of broke there. (laughs) And make nice. Let's do one more take. And make nice. That's it. And um, having that, um, oh, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, well, maybe if I am editing this one, I'll cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's any consolation, Mark, mm-hmm. my brain is also tired. And yeah. the evidence of that is that I've had the Super Mario World like fast music going back <laughs> through my head the last five minutes. And just for yeah, the last five minutes. <laughs> There's you guys talking about things that are smart, and in the background, it's just that.